Hello, my friend. Welcome to Something for Everybody, the podcast to help those who listen feel more loved and connected through story sharing. My name is Aaron Mashbitz, and my mission is to help you realize your potential and capabilities through conversations and deep insights so you can make your prior best your new baseline. Matt Labrie joins the podcast this week, and Matt hosts a very successful podcast called Decoding Success. And in this conversation, we discuss overcoming obstacles, how Matt defines success, dealing with divorce as a child, and does everything really happen for a reason? In other news, this podcast is brought to you by Amare. Amare is the mental wellness company, and I use their products daily. So click the link in the show notes, search their products, see which products might be best for you, and then use the code EVERYBODY at checkout for $10 off your entire order. Now, on to episode 167 of Something for Everybody with Matt Labrie. Hello, my friend, and welcome to Something for Everybody. My name is Aaron Mashbitz. Matt, welcome to the show. Aaron, thank you so much for the opportunity, brother. You know, I want to take a quick moment to express my gratitude, uh, not even for the opportunity to be here with you, but what you're putting out into the world. You know, I'm grateful to see that, to see your body of work continuously expand and uh, make these impacts, dude. So I'm super, super grateful for this moment and really excited for it. Let's do it. Yeah, right back at you. And before we get into... uh all the good stuff. I have, I have one very important question to ask you, sort of the, the theme of this podcast. And that is, how are you doing? Like, how are you doing really, Matt? How am I doing? I'm going to tune into that for a second. So the honest answer, and I have the chills right now, I don't know if you could see the hair on my arm standing up, literally have goosebumps. The honest answer is, I'm doing pretty great. And I wouldn't have been able to say that if you asked me this question last year at this time. Hmm. Uh, 2022 was probably one of the hardest years of my life. Very dark at times. In fact, you could actually verbatim quote something I said to a friend, which was, I'm alive, but I don't feel like I'm living. And you're really bringing this to realization for me right now, because like I said, right now I am doing pretty great. There's a lot of new things on the horizon in my life, a lot of shifts, a lot of change. Um, you know, from a professional perspective, I'm making some shifts and things are really, uh, going well in that regard. Uh, not as fast as I was like, I'm, uh, as I'd like, I'm a New Yorker. So, you know, instant gratification, uh, at the fingertips like this, obviously I would like things to go faster at times, but in, in God's time, things happen. Uh, so on the professional front, um, I just started dating someone. Mm. I haven't been in a committed relationship in about two years just because I, I really felt like I needed to date myself for a while. Although while I say I'm doing great, that area definitely scares me. Um, so all in all, I, I would say great. And, you know, if you ask me tomorrow, the answer might not be great. But in short, today I'm I'm feeling really good. I'm feeling good. Nervous for things, but great. Yeah, well, thank you for an uh, answering honestly. I, I do appreciate it. And I, I think 
from from everything I've I've um, listened to you about and and read about you, you become sort of a master in uh, being in the trenches and then coming out of those trenches. Mm. Uh, because I think that stuff started for you at a very young age, right? You're someone who went through divorce as child of divorce very early on. Um, trials and tribulations with your baseball career, which I'd love to talk about. So not to say it's not a surprise that you've, you have, you've picking yourself back up, but it's like a skill that we can master over time. And I think that's an important skill that we, we can master, right? Just knowing that adversity is always going to strike us and how can we allow these obstacles to make us stronger through time. Now, now there's sort of a, a scale, I, I guess you could say. I don't like to put it in that terms, but there is a scale of some things are worse than others, but everything affects us in a certain way. And if it deeply affects us, then it means something. And we always have a chance to pick ourselves back up. Now, not everyone does. And I think that's a conversation I want to get into you about healing and, and all of that stuff that you've brought up on some of your podcast episodes. But I want to circle back to, to early on. Like, how did being a child of divorce affect you maybe then? Or how does it affect you now? Back then, the, the simple answer is it just numbed me out, you know? Um, more than the divorce, I think what had impacted me was just not having the needs met. And mm -hmm. as a kid, I mean, you don't know what your needs are as a kid. Like, I, I didn't know what my needs were four years ago when I was 26 years old, you know? Um, I think that was what impacted me. And I think the divorce or being in a, a household that was experiencing divorce, I think it only amplified the lack of needs uh, being met. So for example, you know, growing up, I, I just wanted attention. I wanted love. Like we all do. Every single person listening to this, everyone that's not listening, everyone on this earth just wants to feel love. Like we all strive for that. And in those early days, I didn't know how to get it in a healthy way. So I got it in unhealthy ways. And what that meant was literally doing dumb stuff for attention, right? Being that class clown, acting out, um, you know, calling my mother by her first name as opposed to calling her mom. Like it got me attention. Did it get me positive attention? No, it got me negative attention, but it got me attention, right? I felt seen. I felt heard. Um, I felt like I was a part of something. And, you know, as I transitioned through childhood, there were, of course, other things that had popped up, but ultimately it led me to be numb. It led me to be so, so numb to the point where I, I say this often, like before 26 or 27 years old, I can't tell you how many times I ever cried. Like mm. tears had never come to my eyes after, after I started to really turn inward. I fucking cried, dude. You know, like, uh, and I own that. I own that emotional side, but ultimately I was numb for so many years uh, because of that childhood stuff. I can't really say the divorce stuff impacts me to this day because I realize like that's not on me uh, anymore. You know, maybe, maybe there was a time where I thought that was on me, but man, I can't tell you how numb I was. And listen, it did serve me well because I will, I will state this very briefly. Those tactics that we turn to as children or preteens or teens or adults, they're merely to protect us. And numbing definitely protected me and it kept me going. So it served me. And that was meant to be a part of the journey that I'm on. It definitely served, but I'm just glad that it's no longer the way that I operate. Yeah, I I tend to think about this the sort of I don't know, negative self-beliefs that we have that serve us in a powerful way. Like 
I think about it in an athlete sense, right? You were an athlete for a long time. Most athletes, most high level performers have this inner critic that's pretty fucking belittling, right? Mm. They have a bad game and they talk shit to themselves. But what do they do after that? They go in the batting cages for three straight hours. They show up to the field the next day early because they think that inner critic is their chip on their shoulder. And most of the time it is because they're willing to outwork everyone else because they have this voice in their head that says, you're not fucking good enough. You're not fucking good enough. Mm. And it can drive you to a certain point. It absolutely can. It can get to you a really high level. But when you get to a certain point, like when you get to that elite level, when everyone's elite, then it turns out to be the thing that's holding you back because now it's limiting you to really encourage yourself to show up in the best version of you because you have this thing that's always bringing you down. And so, yes, these things that we have that have created who we are do serve us. And I I like the way you put that because – you're thanking that part of yourself that brought you to the point where you're at. And then you get to this point where you sort of hit this wall and you're like, okay, I need to rearrange this. I need to reframe it. So now I can reach this higher level and actually enjoy myself and, and release the joy and the love that I have for myself and the life that I've created. But I'm not saying this part is awful about me. It's just got me to this point and and it served me well in that regard. And I think it's an important distinction to make for, for anyone because we're not always going to be nice to ourselves. We want to try to be, right? We want to try to be, we want to have an inner coach instead of an inner critic. But sometimes a coach has to tell you the real hard truth. And sometimes it's very harsh. But mm-hmm. if you're, if you're a real good coach, you say it in a way that's from love and support, but it's still what you need to hear. Like, Hey, Matt, you need to get your shit together, dude. But I yeah. love you. And I'm here to support you and hold your hand while we walk through this path together. But you're not showing up in the way I know that you can. And that's different than saying, Hey, dude, what the fuck? You're the worst fuck off. I'm going to leave you here by yourself you just figure it out and you're a piece of shit like that's totally different those two things can maybe end the same way but they're two different paths that, that, that we could take oh 100 dude and you know what's crazy like and this is why i i really appreciate conversations just like this realizations come about you know like i didn't think the way that we are discussing right now even just a few months ago like i didn't realize how much operating in the way that i did served me but it did, you know, it, it truly, truly did. And I think that's something for everyone to think about, you know, how the things that are viewed as quote unquote negative, which is, you know, potentially a judgmental word, you know, how those things had served us. Like we're, we're, we had experienced them for a particular reason. And it's potentially because we didn't know any better, mm-hmm. right? Like you, you got to think, uh, there was a woman, she, her name's Andrea Owen. She had gave me such a beautiful metaphoric way of elaborating on something and it's like if we knew better we would do better and you you can't be mad at a newborn baby for not knowing how to run yet the baby doesn't know how to walk yet how could you expect the baby to run so then why if us if we don't know how to operate any other way we were never taught that We just do what our natural instinct tells us to do. So whether that is to be numb or whether that is to be hard on ourselves, or whatever it is, like there's a reason for that. It's really our duty and our obligation if we choose to take that path to find another way to operate. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that that's the that's sort of the hardest decision you can make. Right. Yeah. Because you think about the consequences of inaction or action. Right. Mm. And there's both because if I always stay the same, 
where is it going to lead me to? Well, I'm already getting a little bit bitter and resentful about my life and I'm losing a bit of friendships and I'm having to sacrifice all of these things because I think I'm doing the right thing. So if I remain this way for 10 years, where will I be? I'll be mildly unhappy and like, I'll be okay though. Um, but what yeah. about the consequences of actually taking some action? Well, that might be really hard at the beginning to get started, to think about how I need to change, to be honest about how I actually treat myself and others and what things are serving me and aren't serving me and where did I learn them from and how can I rearrange my thoughts around them. But I could potentially be much more fulfilled in 10 years. There's no guarantee, but that, I mean, that's the, that's the path you got to take. And that's sort of, you know, the idea of, of, of going on the hero's journey. Um, and so, and everyone has the ability to be the hero of their own story, right? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. It's something that I think about often, you know, it's just like, what, and man, this could be such a metaphysical and deep conversation, but it's like, what provokes that, you know, like what, what provokes that? And I don't, I mean, I could potentially answer it from my own story and I'm really in like deep thought right now where it's like, what really provokes someone to pursue that? You know, like, what is it that I, I have people in my life that and listen, I'm not here to tell anyone to go to therapy, get a coach, do like, I'm, I'm not that guy, you know, but I know people in my life that could truly benefit from the turn inward. I know people mm -hmm. in my life that could truly benefit from hiring a personal personal trainer that can hire a nutritionist that can like, I, and listen, I'm not God, I'm not here to say you need to do better. Like, that's not what I'm getting at. But what is it that really gets people to the point where they turn, right? And, you know, you might be able to rebuttal in some instances and say, well, listen, they go to the doctor and they find out they have diabetes. They go to the doctor and they find out they have this or they go through a, a massive breakup. But it's just like, why in this life does that happen to you? You know, like why you right now? And I don't know if we have another go at this. I mean, I, I was born Roman Catholic, so I was taught that we don't. But, man, you got me thinking. <laughs> I, I mean, I can speak from personal experience. The only reason I decided to change was was pain. Like pain, deep, I agree. Same. Deep, deep pain that I had no way out of unless I, unless I figured it out. Um, and I think... It's that way for most people, but some people ultimately make the decision to sort of let that pain overtake them and just live their life in sort of this lull. Some yeah. people, like the stories we hear, the people you have on your podcast, right? The people that no one's ever heard of, right? But they've changed, they've taken that pain and they said, I'm making a stance and I'm gonna do something about this because I've been living my life this way, then this really bad thing happens. I lost my spouse, got in a car accident. Uh, my friend died. I have cancer. Like all, all of these horrible things, atrocities that happen to people all of the time. They're unexplainable and they're unpredictable. And then they decided to do something about it. You know, not in the day it happened, but over time, they're like, okay, I can make these steady steps. And then your life starts to unravel and change and unfold like in a magical, beautiful way. And then, Funny enough, 5, 10, 15 years later, the thing that was the worst thing that ever happened to you in your whole life, you suddenly have gratitude for it. And that's very weird to come to terms with. Like yeah. I would never ever have said to you two years ago that I have that I have gratitude for losing my big sister. 
What? Mm. What'd you say? That's your sister. That's the person you love. She's your first best friend. She's, she's your mentor. She's someone you look up to. And you have gratitude for that? That is like something that you have to like actively work through. And pain is the only way you're going to get there. It's the only yeah. way. Yeah, I resonate with the the fact that pain was what led you to make the shift. I, I'm too, I too am in that same boat. Um, it's are you familiar with John Gordon by any chance? Yeah, I know the Energy Bus. How good was that book? I'm so glad you just mentioned that book. Well, my best friend Alex Robbins uh, lives by that book. Lives by it's that book. The, it's one of the best books I've ever read. Uh, so you already know what I'm about to say, uh, being that you read this book. I mean, it goes what you were just alluding to in regards to having the gratitude for the experiences, right? That, that's not an easy place to get to. Oftentimes, it might become quote unquote easier in some instances where, you know, you're years down the road and then you're like, oh, shit, like my heart got broken at this moment in 2015, but like now I could look back and I'm glad my heart was broken in 2015 because it led to X, Y, and Z. And it, John talks about this in the book by providing that equation, right? That equation being E plus P equals O. This is the thing that stood out to me from this book. I, there's a million things in that book that are, are beautiful. This is like, this is tattooed on my brain. It's tattooed on my heart. And hearing you, you know, mention about uh, mentioning that gratitude, E plus P equals O, right? Events plus perspective equals the outcome. We don't get to change every event. We don't get to control every event. But what we do have control over is our perspective, how we view that event. And it's not to say that if someone's listening to this right now, going through a breakup and they're like, holy shit, like this guy wants me to, to be grateful for this or this guy wants me to view this breakup. And no, 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 we're, we're human. Feel the feels, right? Feel the feels. It sucks. No one wants to go through those hardships. But in five years, five months, five days, five weeks from now, maybe you're able to turn around and look back at the event that you're uh, experiencing or had just experienced or will experience. And then when you can change your perspective, you're re you're really able to dictate the outcome, you know? Yes. Um, I, I, um, there's this mental performance coach named Brian Kane and he changed that formula to event plus response equals outcome. And I like that mm. one a little bit better, but both are basically the same thing, right? Same. Yeah. You only have control over how you see the thing and how you respond to the thing. Um, and that's in your control. And then you don't have full control over the outcome, but at least you're influencing it in the right direction. Yeah. And that's, I think that's all we can ask for. And so, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. It is, man. It is. It's a beautiful thing. And, uh, listen, it's a work in progress for me, man. I, I, I try every day to, to live by that. I can't say that it's, you know, become this, uh, perfect habit, but day by day. Absolutely. Day by day. And another thing that just popped up is like, though that person that is feeling that's in the trenches right now, right? A lot of times people say these empty platitudes, like right when the thing that hurts the most happens, like, hey, it's going to be all right, or everything happens for a reason. I, I don't want to hear that shit when I'm in the trenches. That doesn't make sense to me. Like, why, this? you have a reason for this horrible thing happening to me? Tell me. What is it? Right. Everything's going to be okay? How do you know? Are you God? Right? Mm -hmm. So in those moments, I think when we're really feeling it, like, it's just better to be there, say that you love them, and give them a hug. And then now over time, like you're saying, five days, five weeks, five years, five months, whatever it is, at least time has passed. That person then can navigate that thing much better and actually potentially find a reason or the reason why they're here or the reason why this whole thing culminated in that moment or the reason, oh, yes, it is going to be okay. 
I'm actually stronger because of this thing. Now those phrases actually mean something. But in the midst of the trenches, those empty platitudes sometimes make the situation worse. At least they did for me when I was feeling my worst. Like, oh, you know the reason? Lay it on me. I'm ready. Yeah. You know, but so yeah, I'm I'm curious to know um, from your perspective. Do you feel like not everything doesn't happen for a reason? I understand what you're saying. Like in the moment, trust me, dude. I'm the same way. Like you hear something when you're in the trenches or you're in the mud or however you want to frame it. And it's like. I don't need the toxic positivity right now. I don't need to hear that. Like, sure. Is it in your mind? I'm sure it's in your mind, but like from an overall perspective, do you not feel like everything's happening to you for a reason? <clears throat> and let me actually feel- rephrase that. Let me rephrase that because th- this is staring me in the face. Do you not feel like everything is happening for you for a reason? Um, I do think so. Yes. But I also think that it's my duty to uncover that reason. Okay. And so if I don't uncover that reason, then it, then it's not revealed to me, and so then I'm uh, then I don't think it makes sense. And I don't I don't know if I love the word reason. I think I don't have another word because my vocabulary isn't that expanse. But <laughs> um, I don't know. It's it's hard. It's hard because like. Like your life was going to go this direction no matter what. Like this is how it was supposed to be. And so if this moment – life plans are pre-planned? I think so. Like I'm – you know, I'm I'm from the Jewish faith and we we think that before you're born, you have a predetermined amount of time that you're going to live and you should make the the absolute most of it. You should make the absolute most of it. Love deeply, care deeply, do the things that bring you joy. Um, And so when we're hit with this sort of tragedies or these unforeseen circumstances – like, yeah, there's – that maybe there's a reason. Like, I think I think more as a purpose is being uncovered through that event. I think that is, is a better way to look at it. Like, yeah. this event happened to you, and now you can uncover the purpose behind your life because of this – the most painful event. Because usually we get into mm-hmm. the things afterwards, mental health because of this or coaching because of this or cancer research because of this. You know, we study the things that, that impact us the most or bother us the most. And I think – Maybe purpose is better than, but I don't know. Like, it's just challenging to say that everything happens for a reason um, when sometimes we don't, we never uncover that reason and it makes us feel worse because of it. Like, this tragedy happened to me and now I'm not making it my life's mission to change the whole world because of it. So, am I a failure because I didn't find the reason behind it? Uh, so, I, I don't know. I think it's challenging. What do you think? I, I agree. Um... I think if we search for reasons as opposed for lessons and listen, maybe, maybe it's hard to find lessons too, but I think life is unfolding in a direction that paves the path for us to return home to our core self and our highest self. Do we always make the decisions and choices that lead us there? Probably not. Dude, I had a bagel this morning with a hash brown. Does my mm. highest self want me to have a bagel with a hash brown? No, no. You know, so uh, d- does do I want a bagel and a hash brown? Yes. Um, that's just a silly example, but I, I think, you know, and this this is just some. This is off the top of the head. Like, there's there's no pre planned here. I'm really just trying to think this out loud. From my past experiences, let's focus on relationships for the sake of conversation. 
like thinking about the reason my heart was last broken is really hard. Yeah. Cause then, then I can, I can easily cast blame and I could lack accountability or I could put it all on me and, you know, not realize that there were, there was a total other human involved in that relationship. That's if I'm searching for reason. Now, I think if I switch it to searching for the lesson, okay, Matt, what were the lessons? Number one, did you avoid any red flags? Yes. Did you people please? Yes. Did you go into the relationship with a lack of awareness of how your past views on love have shaped this? Yes. I think it would be easier to search for lessons. Now, of course, when you're talking about much deeper topics, like for example, you mentioned the passing of your sister. I don't, I can't speak from experience. If there's lessons involved, you could obviously chime in on that. Um, you know, lessons that maybe you have learned or you have taken away from said experience, but it's definitely something for me to ponder on. I, I, but ultimately I do think life unfolds in the direction that you need to go and it's for you. It's not, it's not against you. Um, and there are ups and downs on that, you know, and I, I totally get it. We're on a roller coaster and sometimes we just want the coaster to coast. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure as hell one of those people that just wants it to coast. Like I said, 2022 was hard as fuck, dude. It was really freaking hard, but um, in, in open dialogue like this, I really think if you could shift from searching for the reason as to why something happened and shift your mindset to potentially the lessons, it might help. I mean, yeah, that's a, that's a good framework to go by, you know, cause speaking from my personal experience, it's right. Yeah. I don't know if I have a reason still, but I have a purpose and I have the lessons from that. You know, the number one lesson is that me and my family, we can overcome anything together, even the worst yeah. thing that's ever happened to us. And that's very important because now minute little things, my car breaks down, you know, whatever, like, it's like, who cares? Like I've yeah. already gone through this thing. I mean, it's going to be all right. Now it's going to be, I know it's going to be okay. Cause I've already gotten through the thing. That's the worst, you know? Well, that's a and lesson so, in itself too. That's right? a beautiful I mean lesson. Right. That's a lesson in itself. What you're saying is you dealt with something way worse than your car breaking down. Way worse. Right. That. All right. That's another lesson. I'm sure potentially another lesson is, wow. You know, maybe I going forward, you're about to start your own family. Congratulations. Once again, I'm saying it on air, you know, going forward. And again, this is just off the top of my head. I don't know this as factual. Maybe you say when I'm with my family, I want to be more present and I mm -hmm. want to bask in these moments even more because now I need to cherish them more. Dude, there's probably so many lessons, right? There it's endless. It's endless. And I think that's why, and you know, just for clarity, once again, maybe when you're in the moment, it's not, it's not easy to see the lessons and maybe it takes, you know, X amount of time after, but, uh, there has to be something to learn, right? There always is. There always is something to learn, always. But you have to sit with it, right? You have to sit with mm. those hard emotions of anger, of sadness, of despair, of just like ick, like and like mm. and not sit in it and wallow in it and let yourself spiral, but like sit in it, feel it, accept it. And now, how can we get into some action? Action is the lessons learned, you know. And then it's exactly right. You learn that life is is so precious, so fragile. Like, how can I tell people in my life that I love them every fucking chance that I get? Because yeah. the last time could be the last time. And that's not a, that's not like 
this sobering black cloud. It's just the absolute truth of life. Death is the only death is coming for all of us. Mm-hmm. And unpredictable things happen all of the time. Very horrible, unpredictable things happen all of the time. And so if I'm with someone that I truly care about, I'm going to be with them. And I'm going to tell them that in that moment, because I don't know when I'm going to see them again. Maybe we have plans next week to go get lunch because we do it on a weekly basis. But I don't know because yeah. that's it. And so I, I've decided that I'm going to take life as granted, not for granted. And that's a big lesson that I learned from that. I love that quote. That's definitely going to be something that I'm, I'm using from here on out. I love that. That's good, man. But I wanted to circle all the way back uh, and talk a little bit about baseball because that's a mutual, Let's do it. just to totally flip 180 here on this conversation. <laughs> but um, yeah, man, baseball, when did you, when did you fall in love with it? You know, what baseball teach you and um, where did, uh, where did your playing career end? When did I fall in love with it? You, you want to know the honest answer. And I was so damn young. I think I fell in love with it when I knew I was good at it. Mm. And that might be an egotistical reply, but that's the truth. Like who doesn't love something they're good at, right? right? You're good Especially at podcasting. You're a young boy. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. You you get the attention that you're seeking. You get the the recognition. You get the game ball. You get you know whatever it may be. You're great at podcasting. I'm sure you love to podcast. Like we <laughs> love things we're good at. So for me, I think that's what it was, man. I think, and this is going back to t-ball. I'll never for or instructional baseball. I'll never forget. Like before you you know go on to play for the little league world series and all of that there's instructional many years before that and uh it's coach pitch so the coach is pitching to the team and i'll never this is how i knew i was good because my coach his name was phil o'reilly i'll never forget it we played for the reds which was sponsored by robart construction and man i i my position was the pitcher's mound but being that he was pitching he was on the mound and you would play on either side of the mound and dude i would field every ground ball like nothing made it to third nothing made it to short nothing made it to first like i was just there and i would gobble it up and i would get the guy out and then it transitioned into rookie baseball where we're literally turning double plays i think combined over like a little league season between three pitchers we had like over 400 strikeouts like it was dude we were really a good group and That's when I started to fall in love with it. But I'm going to add a caveat here. When I started to fall out of love with it was when I started to feel forced to play, Mm. right, by my father. And no shame on him. He wanted the best for me. He knew that utilizing sports would be a catalyst for getting into a better college or potentially making a lot of money in the future or something of that sort. So I did start to fall out of love with it for that reason. Uh, I never wanted him to coach me. Some people beg for their family, for their guardians, their parents to just come to a game and watch. I was the opposite. I wanted, you know, excommunicado on the baseball field, going back to the John Wick term, you know, like I just wanted nothing to do with that. So I did start to fall out of love with it, but what did it teach me? Uh, It taught me a lot, man. It, It taught me I was a pitcher, as mentioned to you before we started to record this. When you're on the pitcher's mound, although you're throwing a ball to someone else for someone else to either swing and miss, you know, hit it, whatever. Like, obviously, there's someone else involved. But I feel like golf would probably be a better example of this. But I feel like when you're on the pitcher's mound, it's you versus you. 
it's you versus you. It's like a direct look into the mirror. Like that catcher's mitt just reflects your face. It reflects what's going on in your mind in that moment. It reflects your emotions. Are you rattled? Are you calm? Are you in the zone? Are you in your head? The, the list goes on. And I think that was what baseball really started to tell me. It started to tell me like, dude, life is a mirror. This conversation is a mirror. Our relationships are a mirror. Your business is a mirror. Your employees, your colleagues, your friends, everything is a mirror. And I didn't know that in that moment. In fact, I didn't know that before I just started saying this. Like this literally just came about from this conversation. Uh, and then to answer the last bit of your question there in regards to when I stopped playing, I stopped playing because I quit on myself. I quit on myself. I, in at 17 years old, I think I had just turned 17, I tore my labrum in my right shoulder, essentially, which would have been the end of my baseball career. Um, college scholarships gone, everything kind of just gone. Uh, no one looked, I, I'm six foot five, rather big guy, threw the ball really hard. Um, anyone, you know, of size is essentially making it to at least division two. Like, you know, you, you have that size, you're, you're, you're going regardless. Um, but everything just gone. And when I opted to have that surgery after, after surgery, I kind of just quit. I just quit on myself. Um, I didn't know how to process feeling like little glimpses of pain. Uh, when truth be told, it probably was a little scar tissue or, you know, just the fact that I started throwing again. And I was like, you know what? I don't even want to do, I not only quit on myself, I quit on my team. Hmm. Um, something, one of very few things I would undo if I could. Uh, I miss playing the game. I wish I could go back now knowing what I know uh, to, you know, do it over again. But man, I, I honestly had such a blast. Like I, I really, really did. And as mentioned to you before we started recording this as well, like now, I can just go go to the park and watch my high school team play. I can sit on my couch and watch an MLB game. Uh, I can go to an MLB game, and I could just sit there for days, man. It's it's something I truly love. Was there a time after you stopped playing that you were that you hated the game? No, no, uh, I distanced myself from the game. So to give more context as to why I stopped. I was in my senior year of high school at this point. I had surgery, let's call it in October or November. So I missed the entire basketball season as well. I played basketball for a nationally ranked high school program. Um, eventually tore my opposite labor in playing basketball in college, which is uh, a whole other story. But baseball was really my sport. Basketball, you know, I wasn't going to the NBA, but I had fun playing and I still do play recreationally, although I will say I should retire because oftentimes when I play recreationally, I find myself getting a, a slight injury here or there. Um, I'm, sure, I'm sure that's a story for another time too. But I distanced myself from the game because, and again, this is why I think life is really working in our favor. I started to make my own money. Uh, my senior year of high school, you know, um, I started to put myself in the arena of New York City hospitality, and I started to work for uh, an event company. And one thing led to another, uh, eventually was my own business owner in this realm in this arena for seven years, which paid my way through college. But 
I really shifted my focus to that and I shifted my focus to my social life and I did distance myself from the game. Um, I never hated it though. I never hated it. I, I, I will, like I mentioned, I love the Braves. I love major league baseball. I, I love, you know, I could even watch a little league game. You know, I, I, I love, absolutely love the game. It was never a hate, but there was a distance for sure. Hmm. Yeah. Cause I, my playing career ended after after college ball, and I had a a deep hatred for a really long time. What was the hate about? Well, I was a Division One All American as a baseball player, and right. didn't get drafted. I thought I was going to. I was one of the best hitters in college baseball, and uh, didn't get drafted. And I was pissed. Yeah. And then I went to three tryouts with the Atlanta Braves, and I played awful. I played horrible, not even close to my potential. Mm. And then um, in the back of my mind, I, I knew I wanted to be a professional wrestler, so maybe that's why I played so poorly. Um, but then I just packed up all my baseball stuff, and I became a professional wrestler and didn't think about baseball for six years. And then when this thing happened where I basically reevaluated my whole life, I started to think about baseball. And – for those six years where I was a professional wrestler, um, I never even I like never talked about baseball. Thought it never taught me anything about life. When, but really, when I sat down to think about it, because I had lunch with a buddy when I moved back to Dallas after wrestling, and he was coaching baseball, and he asked me to come out to the field and maybe help the dudes out. And I was like, you know, when you're about to go help young people, you have to actually think about if you really want to be there, because that's an honor and a responsibility to coach. And teach young sure. people. And so I was like, do you, like, I haven't watched a major league baseball game in six years. I haven't thought about it. I don't do fantasy with my, my friends anymore. Like I've just been a professional wrestler. And that was my dream. I chased it. And so you think about baseball and I was like, I didn't never said it out loud that I hated baseball, but that's, a, that's how I felt in my body. I was bitter. I was resentful. And then you start to reflect on your career. And I'm like, wow, it taught me everything. Like my best friends in the whole wide world are from college baseball. The only reason I, I keep moving forward is because I learned how to pick myself up from baseball, you know, and I love the sport. It's beautiful and it teaches you so much. Like I, I learned lessons at age 10 that I'll never forget. Like I was on this really, really good little league team when I lived in California and I didn't play because I wasn't very good at age 10, but everyone else was studs and I didn't get to play. And after like the first couple weeks, I told my parents, I said, I don't want to play on this team anymore. I don't get to play. And they's like, my parents were like, what you want to what you want to quit you told us you wanted to play baseball we put you on the best team you're going to play the entire season and you're going to work your ass off to try to find your way on the field you don't quit on your team you don't quit on yourself now next season we can reevaluate and see if you want to play on a different team based on your skill level but you don't quit in the middle of the season you committed to this and that's a lesson that i never knew that i learned early on in my life until i started to reflect on the journey of baseball and now I'm like totally back in it. I play in a freaking men's league. I coach a 14-year-old team. I'm back <laughs> in, baby. So, um, but it's a beautiful thing. Like you think you hated something because it didn't end the way you wanted it or didn't go exactly the way you wanted it. But just like we've been talking about, the theme is that the lesson learned, my life unfolded exactly how it needed to be. And I learned the lesson that I needed to learn. That baseball is a magical vehicle to learn life lessons of perseverance oh, and grit and attrition and all these magnificent things. Really, probably the only reason that I'm still doing this podcast, 160 episodes in. Same thing for you, right? Nobody listens to the first 100, 150. You know, it's like 
Why am I doing this? Because I just love having the conversation. That's it. Yeah. And if people listen, that's cool too. Um, and so, yeah, baseball has just been a magical journey for me. I love that. I, I think, you know, anyone that has dreams, it doesn't even need to be baseball, right? But like anyone that has dreams, we sort of have an expectation around that dream. It's going to come out the way that we envision it. Uh, it's going to come to fruition the way that we envision it. So, you know, in your example, you talked about how, I mean, your, your dream, like for, for the level of baseball you were playing, like from a, a personal perspective and on your team, et cetera, et cetera. Dude, like obviously the next step after that's the league, you know, whether it be, you know, you start in the minors and you work your way up, whatever the case may be, that's an expectation in our mind. And uh, this has happened many times over in numerous different regards throughout my life where I had this expectation. But the thing is, when we have expectations, we are oftentimes let down. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I've learned to do is to eliminate expectations. And this is not an easy thing because we're human. We have our own desires and these dreams and all of that good stuff. But what you did have at the same time as having that expectation was a standard. And you played far beyond your standard. You were one of the best hitters in college baseball. Like, sorry if you hear New York City music in the background. I literally just looked up and I'm like, yep, there, that's New York City for you. But, um, you know, you had this standard, dude. And I, I think when we're able to shift our life from expecting things to living up to a standard, and that standard could be just showing up, giving our all that day. It's not even giving 100%, because sometimes we don't have 100% to give, but showing up and giving what we have that day, that's a standard. You know, so when we're, when we're able to make those shifts, uh, beautiful things happen. But ultimately, look how the game came back to you too, man. Like that's, that's a really, really beautiful thing. Uh, and it happens in these mysterious ways, but um, in beautiful ways nonetheless. Yeah. How can, you, how can you not be romantic about baseball, right, as they say? Oh, 100%. I'll give you another example, right? I'll, I'll, let's paint the picture for people that don't play baseball here. When I started my podcast, it was five years ago. It was in 2018, and I knew for a long time that I really admire Lewis Howes from the School of Greatness. Mm. Really big fan of him. I've met him numerous times when I was working with the guy from Shark Tank. I uh, have a friend who is a producer on his podcast today, like literally you know, a producer for his show. It's incredible. And I said to myself, you know what? I have this grand vision, and it's not to say this won't happen, but I'm going to show you, again, expectation versus standard. I had this grand vision of having our own studio with an office attached to it and all, you know, all these different bells and whistles, all these different components. And I said, all right, Matt, has this come to, I literally evaluated this probably like a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. I actually posted a video about this because it really freaking dawned on me. Although I don't have my own studio with an office attached to it and all those bells and whistles, my podcast is now out of a studio. So like that dream has come to fruition just because it doesn't necessarily, like it, it came to life in its own form, just because it doesn't look the way that I've envisioned it to look doesn't mean that it hasn't been actualized. Right. So like, for example, you know, who knows, maybe the kids that you're coaching go on to make the league, you know, like, dude, how, how much of an accomplishment would that be? Like that would be one of the most beautiful things, like just to to say that you were a part of that journey. Um, there, there's so many different ways for us to make our league 
without actualizing what we actually thought it would look like, you know? Yes. That's a, yeah, it's a beautiful way to look at it. And uh, for those that are listening, Matt's podcast is called uh, Decoding Success, and it's like top 1% of podcasts in the whole world. So I would say that you're, you're pretty, you're doing pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate it, man. Listen, five years though, dude, five years, this isn't something that happened overnight. Uh, And there's, I'm learning so much, man. I'm learning, like literally learning endlessly, Um, obviously from conversations like this, but even on the backside of things where it's like, all right, you know, maybe you don't have the bandwidth to do everything you want to do and you need to focus on the essentials or maybe, all right, now you have some extra time you could do it. It's, it is an absolute journey without a doubt, uh, a beautiful one, a really beautiful one. So I I appreciate the the kudos, um, but it's a time game, man. It's a time game. Mm-hmm. It's, it, I'm not a unicorn just yet. It, it hasn't happened overnight. Uh, they say, uh, you know, what, what's that beautiful quote they use? Every overnight success took 15 years. So I got 10 more. <laughs> yes. And especially in the podcast game, like it's just, it, it really boils down to a couple things. I think like if you just love having the conversation about whatever topic it is, you're going to win the game. You've won the game. That's it doesn't matter how many people start to listen or what the results are, the downloads or the sponsors, those things I feel like just naturally flow to you when you can feel this just organic love for the actual thing that you're doing. If you have a podcast about turtles and I can just feel your fucking enthusiasm through the screen or in my head about how much you love turtles and how much you know about them and how you want to talk, like I've, I'm in. Like I might, I'll probably listen to this podcast every week because your enthusiasm transfers into me and I'm like, I'm fired up. Let's get some fucking turtles. Let's have some things in my house, like all this shit. Like, and you think that's a weird thing to love. It's absolutely not. Turtles are actually quite cool and they're probably very unique and they have so many special traits, I imagine. Um, But that's it. Like you just love doing it. And it doesn't matter if you do it once a week, once a month, you know, consistency is, is quite important for getting a successful podcast, but success can mean a lot of different things. And I'm about to ask you about that. But it's just about, loving the thing you're doing and it's like it bleeds into everything it's just like you feel it there's a vibe and it's like yeah people use that word a lot but it's true like i I can just like oh i can oh okay i'm coming along with you baby let's go you know that's like something special there that you can feel and when people don't have that you're you you get a bit turned off it's like nah no thanks yeah man it's an energy transfer without a doubt um and i mean listen being a podcast is a performance dude like it's it's a performance. Like, are you familiar with Ed Milet? Yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, he's fantastic. And one thing he says that I really resonate with because this this is something that I I or it's happened to me n- numerous times over. You know, sometimes you have like a really deep, passionate conversation where things are like really juiced up, dude. Sometimes after I do them on the show, I'm drained. Mm-hmm. I'm drained. But that's because you're giving your energy, like you're giving it away. And that's why I gave you kudos in the beginning of the show, like for what you're doing with your platform, man. It's like you're giving you're giving a part of you away. And as a creator, oftentimes it's so hard for us to realize what we're actually doing because there's noise, there's negative comments, positive. Like, dude, there's just so much encapsulated around the realm of creators but like, no matter what, no matter how many downloads you get, no matter how many shares, no matter how many followers, no matter how many of anything, 
like it is such a beautiful thing that you're giving a part of you away right whether it be your mind whether it be your energy whether it be your heart whether it be your intellect no, no matter what it is your time you're not getting this back you're not getting this time back that does not happen in anything we do in life uh man it, it's so so beautiful so again i'm going to give you your kudos for for that but yeah man it, it's it's energetic without a doubt yeah how has your definition of success changed since 2018 when you started the podcast <laughs> man what an egotistical kid I was. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm I'm there with you, dude. I'm there with you. Yeah, very much so, dude. I mean, just in a general perspective, like I thought money was gonna heal my pain. Mm. I really, really did. Um, you know, especially not playing sports anymore when I had started college. In, and for for context purposes, I was kicked out of high school twice. My athletic, my athletic abilities got me into high school because I didn't get accepted into high school. Um, here in New York, you apply to three private schools and then you're zoned to a public school if you don't get into any. The only thing I got into was my zoned school and my parents didn't want me to go there. So, um, man, it, you know, I, I say all of that because the, the journey was not easy whatsoever. But again, all of that numbness really led me to thinking money which I was accumulating a lot of because I had started a hospitality business with a bunch of my friends and I was doing other things as well. I really thought that money, material, all of that was going to heal me. And listen, I will be the first one to tell you money is very important. Like we all need some form of money, like without a doubt. Otherwise we're in survival. We can't thrive in survival. Um, we need that level of safety. That's how I would define it back then was, in, in its simplest form, external. Success was very external. Right now, I can't put words to how I define success for numerous reasons. I'm still trying to figure it out. And what I will say and answer this question with is something that I had realized over the past couple months, maybe. We need to embrace in-between seasons, hmm. right? We are so often consumed with getting from starting point A of a goal to starting point Z. But what happens from B to X or Y? I don't know what letter comes before Z without, I, I don't do the alphabet backwards, but you get what I'm saying. Like what happens between the other 24 letters? I do know there's 26 letters in the alphabet. So what happens with those other 24, dude? And I said to myself, all right, Matt, you know how you define success in, back in the day. That's not what's in alignment for you now. You don't have a definition today to give Aaron on this show. So why not embrace that in-between period where you don't know what success means, right? Like you, you don't, we don't have to know every single thing. And I just, you know, I, I like to really embrace the season. Like this is a season of not knowing what that looks like. And as opposed to like forcing myself to come up with this definition and forcing myself to come up with these goals and forcing myself, I said, Matt, all right, ease into it, breathe into it. Like it's okay to not know what your goals are for Q2, three and four of 2023. Like it's okay. Is it how you want to live your life? No, I understand you want direction. You want to strive for things. I get that. But if you don't know what they are right in this moment, that's okay. So, you know, if someone finds themselves in a season of not knowing what something is, you know, not knowing if 
whatever, you know, they want to be in this business or if they want to leave their job, embrace that season of not knowing without feeling like you're forced to make a decision, to define something, to make a choice, to do whatever the case may be. So I'm in that season right now, man, of just embracing the in-between. Yeah, there's a there's got to be a bit of trust, though, there, like maybe trust in yourself that you're still doing the right things, trust in the universe that you're headed in the right direction. Sure. Yeah, I mean, you can still live in alignment, right? I think it's important to always live in alignment. Like, for example, you know, I could tell you firsthand that bagel I had this morning wasn't in alignment. Uh, you know, I, I, I could tell you right off the bat because my my goal is to be my healthiest self, to eliminate inflammation from my body, to do all of those things. And that bagel did not support that. Um, there's definitely a level of trust. And I think we all have the opportunity to act from our higher self. Every single one of us. Does it happen in a split second a lot of the times? It absolutely does. And if we don't have the, uh, the discipline, if we don't have those reps under our belt, if we don't have the muscle memory, if we, yeah, if, if we don't have that, it's really hard to operate from that sense without bringing like this, like truly uh, a really deep awareness to it. But um, alignment's still a possibility without knowing what's like with, with being in the in-between alignment is definitely still possible. Yeah. Hmm. I like that. Um, <clears throat> I got one more question for you and then I'll let you go. Let's do it. And you may have heard this question before because it's from a famous podcaster named Tim Ferriss, and I stole it from him, so I'll give him credit. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, uh, Matt, if you were going to put up a billboard, so let's say in New York City, and millions of people were going to see that billboard every single day, what would you put on it? Talk to yourself the way you would talk to others. Beautiful. That, Yeah, uh, I'm going to tell you why I'm saying that. This has been a homework. I'm get, once again getting the chills. Um, this has been a homework assignment to myself over the last few weeks for my therapist, because just like you had mentioned earlier in the show, you know, as an athlete, you could have that critic inside you and it serves you, right? It serves you. I do think there's a point where it doesn't serve you anymore. And what, like where I am, I'm not, I'm not an athlete anymore. You know, so me telling myself, dude, you could have done so much more with your work day to day. You didn't cross enough off your to do. Like, what does that actually do for me? And it doesn't do much. Uh, it does nothing, actually. In fact, it only probably brings my mood low because I feel like I'm not doing enough um, or I am. I'm not enough myself. So it's not easy for me personally. And this is why I'm sharing this. It's not easy for me personally to in self dialogue in my head talk nice to myself without actually doing it verbally which mm. could be weird in so social situations imagine you and i are grabbing a drink and the next thing you know i start talking to myself because what i'm in my head about whatever that would be a little weird so one thing that i've been practicing every night for the most part is writing a letter to myself mm. literally pulling out a journal and just writing a letter to myself maybe i need some words of encouragement that day Maybe I need to give myself kudos and recognize what I did accomplish. Maybe I need to show myself compassion for how I handled something. Maybe I needed to show myself empathy for something I dealt with. This has been one of the best practices I've ever done in 30 years of life because 
it's allowed me to talk to myself the way that I would talk to you or to a friend that's coming to me for advice, which I have never done in 30 years of living. So on that billboard, it would simply be that reminder, talk to yourself the way that you would talk to your friends. I love it. I love it. And thank you. Thank you for your your time, your energy, your effort. And um, if anyone wants more info about Matt, everything's linked in the show notes, his podcast, his Instagram, all of the good stuff that he does and puts out into the world. So please check that out. So thank you very much, Matt. Aaron, thank you. I just want to say thank you one more time. Seriously, I want to express that gratitude for the opportunity to be here with you, but furthermore, for what you're putting out into the world, dude. Uh, Very grateful to be a part of this. So thank you again. Cheers, brother. Till next time. Thank you for tuning in to that episode with Matt Labrie. What was your biggest takeaway from that episode? Which idea resonated with you most deeply? And if you enjoyed that episode, please share with a friend because the podcast grows from people like you sharing it with people like you. And please don't forget to leave us a rating or review on Spotify or Apple or really anywhere you listen or watch this podcast. But the absolute best way to support this podcast is through Patreon. Patreon.com slash Aaron Mashbits directly supports me, this podcast, and my mental health nonprofit, You Are Loved. So click the link in the show notes and see which tier might work best for you. But most importantly, above all else, please, please take good care of yourselves and others. And I'll see you next time. Lots of love. Cheers.